Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast, talking about Samuel Taylor Coolridge for the second time. Water, water everywhere. Um, nowhere any drop to drink. I recognised something. Um, there's a lot of Samuel Taylor Coolridge left. Swim says the mama. Fishy says, alrighty, I did the math. At our current pace, we will finish the book of verse at the end of March. Not being critical, and I'm enjoying the journey for the most part. Just wanted to know when we might be done. Methodology. Number of pages read to date, in my edition, divided by the number of days reading, gave average of pages read a day, and then the number of pages left to read, divided by the pages read a day, resulted in 155 days. Uh, I hear you though, Swim. I know, you know, I don't want to read this for another 155 days, if I'm honest. I want to finish the Hemingway list. And that's not to say I don't like doing it, but I've been doing it for a long time. I've been podcasting every single day for nearly 3,000 days in a row. And when I finish the Hemingway list, I'm going to stop daily podcasting, and I, I'm looking forward to that in a way. Also, I'm, I'm kind of not as well because it's such a habit now that, you know, when you form a good habit... And you are kind of scared to break it. But I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll fill that void with the equivalent, but it will just look different, if you know what I mean. So maybe, you know, like since I started the Hemingway list, even though I've read every day, I haven't really read many books, you know, just for fun. I used to read all the time. I used to get through books, you know, just churn through books, books that I just chose because they looked good or, you know, like the author or whatever, and um, yeah, I don't really do that much anymore, so maybe I'll simply just start reading again, or maybe it'll be something else, you know, it'll be another good habit though that I replace it with, but I'm just ready for the next one, but at the same time, you know, I started this journey because I wanted to finish it, and I still want to finish it, Um, I just feel like it'll be such an achievement, such a feather in my cap. In all of ours. So, I want to do. I want to finish it soon. You know, I want to get this behind me. Um, you know, when you're at the finishing line, it's so close inside. After three thousand days, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's a three thousand. No, two thousand. Sorry, two thousand days. Close to two thousand days. Still, whatever it is, it's a lot. Um. So yeah. I'm just getting, I'm getting antsy, you know, because the end is so close inside. So with that said, I do want to pick up the pace. I do want to read bigger chunks. Um, and we will. I'm going to dive into part three. Oh, actually, no. Sorry. Let's read about part two first. Um, these sailors are capricious, given to sudden changes of mood or behaviour. At first, the others are furious with the mariner for killing the bird. Then they change their minds, because the weather clears. But then the wind ceases, and the ship is becalmed, and the thirst grows, and the slimy creatures roam the sea. The spirit god is punishing them for all for killing the bird. The sailors, in their anger, hang the dead albatross around the mariner's neck at this moment. 
The symbolism of the bird for Christ on the cross is made explicit. All right. It's all about the old albatross. I don't know if you can hear snoring, but that's Toby. I'm holding him again. Part three. There passed a weary time. Each throat was parched and glazed each eye. And a weary time, a weary time, how glazed each weary eye. When looking westward, I beheld a something in the sky. At first it seemed a little speck, and then it seemed a mist. It moved and moved and took at last a certain shape I wist. A speck, a mist, a shape I wist, and still it neared and neared. As if it dodged her water sprite, it plunged and tacked and veered. With throats unslacked, with black lips baked, we could nor laugh nor wail. Through utter drought, all dumb we stood. I bit my arm, I sucked the blood, and cried, a sail, a sail. With throats unslacked, with black lips baked, agaped, they heard me call, Gramercy. They for joy did grin, and all at once their breath drew in, as they were drinking all. See, see, I cried, she tracks no more, hither to work us wheel. Without a breeze, without a tide, she steadies with upright keel. The western wave was all aflame, the day was well nigh done. Almost upon the western wave rested the broad bright sun, when that strange shape drove suddenly betwixt us and the sun. And straight the sun was flecked with bars, heaven's mother send us grace, as if through a dungeon grate he peered with broad and burning face. Alas, thought I, and my heart beat loud, how fast she nears and nears. Are those her sails that glance in the sun like restless gossamers? Are those her ribs through which the sun did peer as through a grate? And is that woman all her crew is at a death? And are there too is death that woman's mate? Her lips were red, her looks were free. Her locks were yellow as gold. Her skin was as white as leprosy. The nightmare life in death she was. Or she who thick man's blood with cold. The naked hulk alongside came, and the twain were casting dice. The game is done, I've won, I've won, quoth she, and whistles thrice. The sun's rim dips, the stars rush out, at one stride comes the dark. With far-heard whisper over the sea, off shot the spectre bark. We listened and looked sideways up, fear at my heart as at a cup. My life-blood seemed to sip. The stars were dim, the thick and thick the night. The steersman, face by his lamp, gleamed white. From the sails the dew did drip, till clomb above the eastern bar, the horned moon with one bright star within the nether tip. One after one, by the star-dogged moon, too quick for groan or sigh, each turned his face with a ghastly pang and cursed me with his eye. Four times fifty living men, and I heard nor sigh nor groan, with heavy thump a lifeless lump, they dropped down one by one. The souls did from their bodies fly, they fled to bliss or woe. And every soul it passed me by, like the whiz of my crossbow. Part 4 I fear thee, ancient mariner, I fear thy skinny hand, and thou art long and lank and brown, and as if the ribbed sea ha- sand... I fear thee, and thy glittering eye, and thy skinny hand so brown. Fear not, fear not, thou wedding guest, this body dropped not down. Alone, alone, all all alone, alone on a wide, wide sea. And never a saint took pity on my soul in agony. 
The many men so beautiful, and they all dead did lie, and a thousand thousand slimy things lived on, and so did I. I looked upon the rotting sea, and drew my eyes away. I looked upon the rotting deck, and there the dead men lay. I looked to heaven, and tried to pray, but or ever a prayer had gushed. A wicked whisper came, and made my heart as dry as dust. I closed my lids, and kept them closed, and the balls like pulses beat. But the sky and the sea, and the sea and the sky, lay like a load on my weary eye, and the dead were at my feet. The cold sweat melted from their limbs, nor rot nor reek did they. The look with which they looked on me had never passed away. An orphan's curse would drag to hell a spirit from on high, but oh, more horrible than that is the curse in a dead man's eye. Seven days, seven nights, I saw that curse, and yet I could not die. The moving moon went up the sky, and nowhere did abide. Softly she was going up, and a star or two beside. Her beams bemocked the sultry main like April hoarfrost spread. But where the ship's huge shadow lay, the charmed water burnt lay, it still an awful red. Beyond the shadow of the ship I watched the water snakes. They moved in tracks on shining white, and when they reared their elfish light, fell off in hoary flakes. Within the shadow of the ship I watched the rich attire, blue, glossy green and velvet black. They coiled and swam, and every track was a flash of golden fire. O happy living things, no tongue their beauty might declare. A spring of love gushed from my heart, and I blessed them unaware. Sure my kind saint took pity on me, and I blessed them unaware. The self-same moment I could pray, and from my neck so free, the albatross fell off and sank like lead into the sea. Part 5. O oh, sleep, it is a gentle thing beloved from pole to pole. To Mary Queen the praise be given, she sent the gentle sleep from heaven that slid into my soul. The silly buckets on the deck that had so long remained, I dreamt that they were filled with dew, and when I awoke it rained. My lips were wet, my throat was cold, my garments all were dar- dank. Sure, I had a drunken in my dreams, and still my body drank. I moved and could not feel my limbs, I was so light, almost. I thought I had died in sleep and was a blessed ghost. And soon I heard a roaring wind, it did not come anear, but with its sound it shook the sails that were so thin and sear. The upper air burst into life and a hundred fire flags sheen, to and fro they were hurried out and to and fro in and out the wane stars danced between. And the coming wind did roar more loud, and the sails did sigh like sedge, and the rain poured down from one black cloud, the moon was at its edge. The thick black cloud was cleft, and still the moon was at its side, like water shot from some high crag, the lightning fell with never a jag, a river steep and wide. The loud wind never reached the ship, yet now the ship moved on, beneath the lightning, and the moon the dead men gave a groan. They groaned, they stirred, they all uprose, nor spake, nor moved their eyes. It had been strange, even in a dream, to have seen those dead men rise. The helmsman steered, the ship moved on, yet never a breeze up blew. The mariners all again worked the ropes where they were wont to do. They raised their limbs like lifeless tools. We were a ghastly crew. The body of my brother's son stood by me, knee to knee. The body and I pulled on one rope, but he said naught to me. I fear thee, ancient mariner, be calm, thou wedding guest. 
"'Twas not those souls that fled in pain "'which to their courses came again, "'but a troop of spirits blessed. "'For when it dawned, they dropped their arms "'and clustered round the mast. "'Sweet sounds rose slowly through their mouths "'and from their bodies passed. "'Around, around flew each sweet sound, "'then darted to the sun. "'Slowly the sounds came back again, "'now mixed, now one by one. "'Sometimes a dropping from the sky "'I heard the skylark sing.' Sometimes all little birds that are, how they seem to fill the sea and air with their sweet jargoning. Now twas like all instruments, now like a lonely flute. And now it is an angel's song that makes the heavens be mute. It ceased, yet still the sails made on a pleasant noise till noon, a noise like a hidden brook in the leafy month of June. That to the sleeping woods all night singeth a quiet tune till noon we quietly sailed on yet never a breeze did breathe slowly and smoothly went the ship moved onward from the beneath under the keel nine fathom deep from the land of mist and snow the spirit slid and it was he that made the ship to go the sails at noon left off their tune and the ship stood still also the sun right up above the mast had fixed her to the ocean, but in a minute she again stir with a short uneasy motion, backwards and forwards half her length with a short uneasy motion. Then, like a pouring horse let go, she made a sudden bound. It flung the blood into my head and I fell down in a swound. How long in that same fit I lay I have not to declare. But ere my life living returned, I heard, and in my soul discerned two voices in the air. Is it he, quoth one, is this the man, by him who died on cross? With the cruel bow he laid full low, the harmless albatross. The spirit who bideth by himself in the land of mist and snow, he loved the bird that loved the man who shot him with the bow. The other was a softer voice, as soft as honeydew. Quoth he, the man hath penance done, and penance more will do. Alright, that's tonight's reading. We're up to part six. Thank you for listening. See you tomorrow.